This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. Baruch Hashem, I'm recovering. And so this week I have for you two Hasidic stories. But before I begin, I want to dedicate this episode to the continued success, Bezat Hashem, of the IDF, the security forces, wherever they are, the returning of all the captives, the refuah of everybody who's been injured or is sick, the comforting of the families that lost loved ones, and the continued unity of the Jewish people, Bezat Hashem. Lazer was a poor chassid with a large family, and even though he had been able to make ends meet over the years by taking any odd job that he could find, lately he hadn't been able to find any work, and he had built up debt over the years, and unfortunately his debt kept growing and growing. The general store owner, who Lazer owed so much money because he had taken so much food on credit, gave his tenth and his last warning that Lazer would not be getting any more food on credit until he paid off his debt. And then he got a final notice from his landlord that wanted all of the money for the rent that Lazer hadn't paid, or Lazer and his family would be kicked out of the house. And then there was the Melamed, the teacher of his children, who taught them Torah, that hadn't been paid in many months as well. And he threatened to quit. And Lazer Mamish had no clue where he was going to get all this money from. He'd been looking for work, but nobody wanted to hire him. But then came the fire. Nobody really knew where it started, but the fire was a consuming fire, and since everyone's homes were made 100% from wood, the fire quickly jumped from one home to the next, leaving around 20 families homeless. Laser was fortunate. His house hadn't been burned down, but a lot of his furniture was ruined, and many of his friends were suffering. And Lazer looks up to heaven and he says, Zubunosho Olam, master of the universe, do you really have to make things so hard for everyone? And for me? Shem, what am I supposed to do? And then Friday, just an hour before Shabbos, Lazer's walking home after another day of not being able to find any work. And there he sees a wallet on the ground, in the mud, on the side of the road. He goes and picks it up. There's no name or any identification inside of the wallet. There's a bunch of papers in there and 300 rubles. 300 rubles. Laser was trying to make around five rubles a month from the work that he was looking for. And here he had 300 rubles. Obviously, God was watching out for him. This money was a fortune. He could pay off all of his debts. He'd have money left over. Maybe he could start some type of business. His mind was racing all over the place, but then he told himself, calm down, calm down. You don't just steal somebody's wallet because you find it in the street. There's a mitzvah to return lost items. So he was going to put the wallet back. But then he said, no, that's not how it works. If I leave it there, someone else is going to take it. And it could be that the owner gave up on it because it's in such a public place and it's in the middle of nowhere. According to halacha, that means that it's ownerless and whoever finds it gets to keep it. 
On the other hand, he's thinking to himself, maybe the owner didn't give up because the wallet, it is a unique wallet, and it has those papers in it, and those papers can be identified. Then he thought to himself, well, maybe I'll just take the money and announce that I found an empty wallet, and if someone claims it, I'll give the money back to them later. Truth is, Laser didn't know what to do. He was confused. Not having money was making him crazy. The fire made him crazy. The stress made him crazy. And the fact that he had asked Hashem for a miracle and hear something like this just was put in his hands. But it was almost Shabbos. He decided to put the wallet away in his house and figure out what to do after Shabbos was over. He comes to shul, confused, worried. And then Lazer reminds himself, you're not allowed to be sad on Shabbos. And you're especially not supposed to be worried about money. He tells himself, put this aside. Don't think about it. We'll deal with it after Shabbos. But he noticed that one of the wealthier Jews in the town, whose name was Reb Mordechai, was sitting in the corner of the shul, also trying to not think about money, or something was bothering him. And even though he was normally shy, Lazer walked over to Mordechai, and he says, Reb Mordechai, what's going on? He said, I'll tell you the truth, Lazer. You know, my house was burned by the fire. But I accept that, that's the hand of God. What I can't get over is I lost my wallet, and there was a lot of cash in it. But that's not the most important thing. There were very important documents in that wallet. And those papers are worth a fortune to me. I was able to save them from the fire, but somehow I lost them. And now it's almost Shabbos, and I can't stop being upset at myself for losing the papers. And Lazer tells Mordechai, listen, you have nothing to worry about. I found your wallet about an hour ago on my way back into town. It's in my house. You'll come after Shabbos. You'll describe the papers. If they're what you say, I have your wallet. And Mordechai, he was overjoyed. He gives Lazer a huge hug, a kiss on the forehead, and says, thank you again and again. And immediately after Shabbos, Mordechai comes to Lazer's house. He identifies the papers and the wallet. And he was so happy that he handed Lazer all 300 rubles. As a reward, he said, the money, I have got plenty of money. But these papers was worth much more to him than the 300 rubles. And Lazer is looking at the 300 rubles, the money that could save him and his family, the money that he had almost kept. And for some reason, he has this feeling inside, I'm going to receive money for doing the mitzvah of returning a lost item. A mitzvah is beyond money. He gives the money back to Mordechai. He says, Mordechai, I had the schut, I had the merit of being able to help you and return a lost object, and I refuse to take any money for it. And Mordechai says, come on, Lazer, we all know you're dirt poor. This will help you. You can have it, please. But Lazer said, no, he wouldn't take the money. And Mordechai couldn't give it to him no matter how hard he tried. So he says, okay. And he leaves. And now Lazer is right back where he started. No money. His wife and children are hungry. No prospects. He doesn't know what he's going to do. And then he says, what are you talking about, Lazer? You have a Rebbe. And Lazer's Rebbe was the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. Rabbi Shalom Dovber, known as the Rebbe Rashab. And it took him two days to get to Lubavitch. And there he is standing in front of the Rebbe, pouring out his heart, telling the Rebbe that he owes so much money to the grocer. He can't buy food. He owes his landlord. He owes the tutor. He's been desperately trying to find work. And here he finds a wallet. And it has 300 rubles, an absolute fortune. And in the end, he says to the Rebbe, I couldn't take the money for returning the wallet. I couldn't take a reward for it. But Rebbe, I don't have any money. What am I going to do now? So the Rebbe says, 
in the merit of returning the lost item, may Hashem pay you back tenfold. And Reb Lazar says, Amen. Tenfold is fantastic. But Rebbe, how is that going to happen? I can't seem to find any work. You know, I'm a good handyman. I can fix roofs. I can do gardening. I can do all kinds of things. Take care of animals. Nobody wants to hire me. The Rebbe says to Lazar, If you're offered a job as a chazan, as a cantor, take it. Lazar thought to himself, I've done all kinds of things, but I certainly never worked as a chazan. So he says to the Rebbe, Okay, thank you, Rebbe. And on the walk home, he says, Me? Chazan? No one would ever want to hire me. Okay, I can sing a little bit, but why? And he didn't imagine that anybody would actually offer him a job to be the cantor at services. But sure enough, two days later, when he arrived at home, there was a very fancy carriage waiting in front of his house. And when he gets there, two honorable-looking Jews step out, and they ask Lazer to be the cantor of their town for Rosh Hashanah. And they even offered him an advance of 10 rubles, which of course was two months' wages for Lazer. At first, Lazer was going to say no, because he'd never been a chazan before, and he had enough problems without having to learn all the davening for Rosh Hashanah. Would he really be able to lead the davening with the right kavana and say the words and sing and everything? But then he remembered. The Rebbe told him if he's offered the job as a chazan to take it. And here there's a carriage sitting in front of his house waiting to hire him. Do you need any bigger hint than that? So he says, okay, I'll do it. And it was a few months before Rosh Hashanah. He practices all day long. He figured he already got paid for two months. He can at least support his family a little bit. And all day he's practicing the davening for Rosh Hashanah. A couple of days before, they send a carriage for him. And there he is, leading the davening in front of the whole congregation. And there were times when Lazar started crying because he knew what it was to suffer. And he was davening for his family. And he was davening for the whole congregation. And the congregation had never experienced such beautiful, simple davening as the singing of Lazar on that Rosh Hashanah. And they decided to bring him back for Yom Kippur and offered to pay him twice as much in advance. And so Lazar is feeling like things are turning up for him. He goes back home, and he only has one week to learn all the davening for Yom Kippur, but he does his best. And after Yom Kippur, the president of the shul thanks him, and even gives him a bonus. And he says, I'm really sorry. We would have hired a carriage to send you back, but all of the carriages have been hired by travelers. So he gave Lazar even more money, and he said, please, try to find your own carriage. Maybe you'll be lucky. And the next morning, Lazer went down to where all the carriage drivers were, and he understood there was literally no one there. All the carriages and wagons had been hired out. There was no one to take him back home. And who knew how long it would be until someone would come back and be available. One day passed, and then the next. Still no one to take him home. So finally, someone suggested that there's an old man who'd once been a carriage driver, and maybe for the right price, he'd be willing to do the job. So Lazer heads out to the old man's house, the outskirts of town, and when he gets there, he knocks on the door, and he opens it, and he sees such an old man who was well over 80, and in those days, 80 was like 150, and he's laying sick in bed, and he's blind. Lazer knew this guy wasn't taking him home. He's about to turn around and leave, but then the old man calls out. He says, Yorick, Yorick, is that you? And Lazer just listens. He doesn't know what to say. The old man says, Yorick, did you call the priest? Is he coming? I don't think I have much time left. And then Lazer realized that this old man must have thought that he was a friend of his. 
And so in order to calm him down, he said, yes, yes, the priest is coming. So the old man says to Lazar, you know, Yorick, you know, I have no children and I'm about to leave the world today, but I have some money and I want you to have it. I'm not going to need it where I'm going. It's buried in the backyard under the large brown rock. So Lazar says to him, where's the money from? And the old man, he says, I stole it from a Jew many years ago, 40 years ago. Go on and take it. I've only used a little bit of it. That Jew's no longer alive anymore. Anyhow, and who cares if you steal from a Jew? And so Lazar, he went outside to the backyard. He sees a large brown rock. He pushes it over. And sure enough, underneath it was an old wallet. He picked it up and it was packed with bills. He looks on the front of the wallet and on the leather is a Magen David, is a Star of David. He thinks to himself, okay, the old man gave me the money. I mean, he gave it to Yurik, but I don't know who Yurik is. He stole it from a Jew. The Jew's no longer alive. So it belongs to me. He put it in his coat and ran back to town. And when he gets to town, what does he see? There's a carriage waiting for him. He hired the driver, and within a day, he was back home. He tells his wife the whole story, shows her the wallet, and they count the money. And it was exactly 3,000 rubles. That was the tenfold that the Rebbe Rashab had blessed Lazar with. Ten times the 300 rubles that he had given to Reb Mordechai. And from that point on, Lazar and his family did not have any financial problems. They built a beautiful home for themselves. And of course they gave tzedakah and helped their fellow Jews. Because they never forgot what it was to be poor. And the Rebbe's blessing continued with them all the days of their lives. My good job is good job is good job is I have another story for you about a wealthy Jew whose name was Avram. And Avram had something very special in his house. In his magnificent, huge mansion, he had a beautiful mirror. It was so big, it covered an entire wall. And it had a thick gold frame with beautiful flowers surrounding it. Anyone that saw it admired this beautiful piece of work. But there was something very strange about it. Avram had moved the mirror in front of one of the windows of his house, and a huge section of the top right corner was scraped out. It seemed very strange to anyone who didn't know the story behind it. And the story is that many years ago, in a small town in Poland, Avram and his family owned a small store, and they just made ends meet. But they were happy with their life. They hosted people all the time. They'd lend money or find people to lend money to. And their house was always run down because they never really had enough money. But they were happy. And one day, while Avram is in the store, a stranger comes in. And Avram can see that the stranger was hungry. He said to him, can I offer you a meal and some rest? And the stranger took him up on his proposition. Now this stranger wasn't just an ordinary stranger. 
but he happened to be a great Rebbe from a faraway town, and he was very impressed with Avram and his hosting. And before he left, the Rebbe blessed Avram and his family with great riches. As soon as Avram returned back to the store, right after the meal that he had with the Rebbe, there was actually a line of people waiting to buy from him. There were so many people waiting that by the time the line was over, Avram had sold almost everything in the store. So the first thing he did was restock, and the next day the same thing happened. People lined up and bought everything from Avram's store. So he realized he can't do this by himself. He hires some staff, and he expands the store, and every day he sells out. Well, this is making Avram very rich, and he realized it was the Rebbe's blessing. The Rebbe that he had simply given a meal to, like everybody else. But with the blessing came more and more business problems and business opportunities, which meant that Avram had less time for learning Torah and hosting guests. He hired secretaries to help lend out the money and keep track of it. And he didn't have time to sit and listen to poor people's problems like he used to. In the meantime, he built for his family a magnificent house. Grand bay windows, thick rugs, new furniture, gold and silver everywhere. It was the most beautiful house anyone had ever seen. And the masterpiece in the house was this huge mirror with the thick gold frame and flowers. Instead of the house being filled with guests, now the house was filled with servants. The guests, of course, would make the house dirty. And the servants were constantly cleaning things up. People would look at Avram and they'd say... The money changed him. He wasn't there for the people like he used to be. And one day, the Rebbe, who blessed Avraham, came to visit. He needed a large sum of money to ransom a Jew who was falsely accused and thrown in prison. And the Rebbe asked Avraham for help. So Avraham, he didn't hesitate. He went straight to his safe and took out the money for the Rebbe. And the Rebbe thanked him and he said, Tell me, Avraham, that's a very special mirror that you have there. And he said, Thank you. I spent a lot of money on it. The two of them went over to the mirror, and the Rebbe, standing next to Avram in front of the mirror, he says, what do you see? Avram, he says, I don't understand. I see myself. I see the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said, what else do you see? He said, I see my beautiful home, paintings, furniture, rugs, drapes. The Rebbe now took him over to one of the big bay windows overlooking the main street. And he says to Avram, what do you see out of the window? Avram said, I see a poor widow with her children. I see an old water carrier who's having a hard time carrying the water. And Yankula the tailor, who I know has a hard time feeding his family. But Rebbe, why all the questions? And the Rebbe says, Avram, tell me, what's the difference between the mirror and the window? They're both made of glass. They're both big. What's the difference between them? And Avram said, well, Rebbe, the mirror shows you a reflection of yourself. And the window, you see through it. And you can see others, but you don't normally see yourself through a window. So the Rebbe said, so what's the problem? Why can't a window show you your reflection like a mirror? And Avram says, well, Rebbe, the mirror is covered with silver behind it. And the glass is reflecting the silver. And so you can see yourself in the silver. But with a regular window, there's no silver. So you don't see yourself, you see others. And the Rebbe looks at Avram and he says, do you understand now? Because of all of your silver, Avram, you only see yourself, and you no longer see others. And it was at that point that Avram realized that he received this bracha from the Rebbe for all of this wealth, but it had gone to his head, and he was so ashamed. 
He decided to invite the whole Jewish community for a big meal in his house. And in the middle of the meal, he quiets everyone down. And he says, I have to apologize to you, my sweetest friends. I was blessed with wealth, and I thought it was for my pleasure. And I forgot about all of you. But the Rebbe came, and he taught me an important lesson. And I'm not going to forget about you anymore. When you have a problem, you come right to me, and I will listen, and I will help in any way that I can. And then he went over to the mirror and went to the back and took a knife, and he scraped off the silver out of the top right corner of the mirror and placed it next to one of the windows so that the next time he looked at himself, he wouldn't just see a reflection of himself but he would see out the other side of the glass and remember to help others. It was only when he had taken off all the silver, the top third of the mirror, that Avram sat down and was satisfied enough to continue his work. We always have to remember to help each other, my sweetest friends. And sometimes it's just smiling at somebody or saying good morning to them. And sometimes it's giving them tzedakah and sometimes it's bringing them food. And sometimes it's sharing a story with them. Whatever it is, whenever the opportunity comes, make the most of it. I wanted to add one more really tiny story. I'm sure my listeners know that I consider myself a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the last Lubavitcher Rebbe, who I had the schut to meet when I was 17 years old and really began my path of doing tshuva for meeting the Rebbe. And I can say that's why I'm telling these stories today, because of my meeting with the Rebbe. So here's a beautiful little story. The long-term shaliach to Stamford, Connecticut, Rabbi Yisrael Darren, was standing in front of the Rebbe for dollars on Sunday morning. And the Rebbe hands Rebbe Sa'il a dollar, and he says, This is for your Rabbanus. This is for your rabbinical work in Stamford. And then he says to Rebbe Sa'il's Rebbeton, Here's a dollar for you. This is for helping your husband in his Rabbanus. And then the Rebbe gave Rebbe Sa'il another dollar with a smile, and he said, This is for helping her help you. And let me tell you, in this little simple story, my sweetest friends, is one of the reasons that I am a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, to have the sensitivity to understand that it's not just the shaliach doing the work and the shlucha helping the shaliach to do the work, but it's the shaliach helping the shlucha help the shaliach to do the work. That's the power of the Rebbe. The greatest Rebbe probably since the Baal Shem Tov and he cared about the smallest little details of what might be going on in a Jew's heart. That's a true Rebbe, my friends. And we have the merit to be connected to tzaddikim, like the Labavitcher Rebbe's, and all of the Rebbe's. And we also have the merit to do the same for our fellow Jews. To remember that this dollar is for your Rabbanus, and this dollar is for helping your husband in his Rabbanus, and this dollar is for helping your wife to help you in your abundance.
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. I want to thank one of the new supporters of the podcast, Ellie Noam in Wisconsin, and his parents and their whole family. Thank you for becoming contributors, and thank you for listening to the podcast. And when I sit here in Jerusalem and I think, I'm recording a story, and there is a boy in Wisconsin who's listening to it, and I'm sure there are children and adults all around the world listening to these stories. I, I know that there are. It blows my mind. But thank you, my friends. Thank you for listening. And thank you for your support. And thank you for all your prayers for my recovery. And may we hear good news. Bezat Hashem. Until next week, my friends. Have a good Shabbos. And have a good week. And Zai Gesund.